0: Com. The Beacon Broadcast is supported in part by the gifts of faithful listeners. Now with today's message from God's Word, here is Greg Barkman. Amazing Grace. Well, we've gotten as far as verse 4 in the first chapter of the 1st Thessalonian Epistle written by the Apostle Paul to the church at Thessalonica, a church that he had founded. And we have gotten as far as verse 4, and we've kind of camped down on verse 4, because that's where we are introduced in this epistle to the doctrine of election, the doctrine of sovereign grace, the doctrine of God's electing choice of his people a doctrine that is taught in Scripture in a number of places, and yet is is very challenging and very debated and very resisted. But here it is. We have to do something with it because here it is. And so we are taking time. We are camping down on it without apology, but we are going to get beyond where we have been as we move along a little bit further on the broadcast today. So thank you for joining me on this Friday, March one. And thank you for your thoughtfulness in helping us financially to continue teaching God's Word on this station. Well, Paul started it. Started out after the usual customary salutation and giving of thanks, or, or, or giving a greeting. Paul then had an extended statement of his thanksgiving in prayer for the Thessalonians, how he thanked God for them and why he thanked God for them which he expresses to them he wants them to know what how thankful he is for them and how he expresses that thanksgiving to God and what it is he sees in them that causes him to express thanksgiving to God and here it is in verse 2 and 3 of which verse 4 the doc, the verse with the challenging doctrine of election is in it is all part of of the same sentence that begins in verse 2 so we just read this sentence from beginning to end. We give thanks to God always for you all, making mention of you in our prayers, remembering without ceasing your work of faith, labor of love, and patience of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ in the sight of our God and Father, knowing, here's the verse, verse 4, knowing, beloved brethren, your election by God. (coughs) And I've already pointed out on previous broadcasts that this first statement about their election and his knowing the, the their election based upon the evidence that he's just mentioned in his prayer of thanksgiving, that Paul knows their election by their faith, which is evidenced in the production of good works, otherwise he wouldn't know about it. You can hear professions of faith, but you can't see into a heart to know if faith is real, but if it's producing the kind of works that only the indwelling Holy Spirit produces in the lives of people, then you know it's because they have a genuine faith. And so based upon a faith that produces good works and a love that motivates good deeds and a hope that produces persevering faith, Paul says on the basis of all this, I therefore am confident that you are, Among God's elect, knowing, therefore, brethren, your election by God, or knowing, therefore, brethren, God's choice of you. But he doesn't stop there, because verse 5 goes on to say, And that introduces another list of evidences, all tied back to this doctrine of election. How do you know they are the elect of God, Paul? Well, I've already told you some of the reasons, but how can you be so sure of that? Well, let's take a look. Let's start with the evidence of gospel reception. Verse 4, knowing, beloved brethren, your election by God. Verse 5, For, or because, this is how I know it, because our gospel did not come to you in word only, but also in power and in the Holy Spirit and in much assurance, as you know what kind of men we were among you for your sake. Gospel reception is evidence of God's electing grace. It's the first evidence that follows the statement about election, which itself, as I've already pointed out, follows some other evidence that was in Paul's prayer. But having stated this doctrine of election in reference to the Thessalonian believers he now gives several reasons. I'll, I'll give all of them to you because I'm not going to get through all of them today, but I want you to have them all, and then we'll come back and take them one by one. But Paul lists six evidences for their election. This election that is that is manifested, it is it is seen, it is evidenced, and what is the evidence? Number one, gospel reception, verse five. Number two, changed lives, verse six. Number three, examples to others, verse seven. Number four, effective testimony, verse eight. Number five, rejection of false religion, verse nine. Number six, a second coming expectation, verse 10. These are all evidences of their electing election by God, of the electing grace of God in their lives. Back to the first one, gospel reception. I read it again. For our gospel did not come to you in word only. What does that mean? I stopped there. I haven't read the whole verse, of course. It didn't come to you in word only. It didn't come to you as a message which you heard and did not embrace. Now, it comes that way to a lot of people, doesn't it? When Paul came to Thessalonica, as we learned when we introduced this epistle by starting back in the book of Acts to get the history of his coming there, you recall that when he came to Thessalonica, he preached for three Sabbath days in the synagogue of the Jews. And we read that some of the Jews, many of the Greeks, and a great many of the prominent women believed him. So among the Jews, there were more who heard the gospel without believing it than there were who believed it. But there were some who believed. And among the Greeks, apparently, the devout Greeks who were worshippers of the synagogue, there were the majority and perhaps all of them who believed it. And then the, the uh, prominent women, a good many of them, were told, believed it. And all became followers of Christ, and as a consequence of that, all became followers of the Apostle Paul, and they withdrew from the synagogue and started meeting with Paul and and being taught by Paul, and that was the formation, the beginning of the formation of the church at Thessalonica. But it all began with gospel reception. The gospel came to them, the ones he's writing to now, not in word only, not that it was simply proclaimed without any believing response, as it was to some in the synagogue, as it was to some everywhere Paul preached the gospel, as it is in our gospel proclamation, as it is in our witnessing to people, we proclaim the same message. We who are preachers have often had the experience of preaching a message Uh, highlighting Christ, lifting Christ up, telling people of their need of Christ, showing them their sins, calling them to repentance of their sins and faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, pleading with them to believe in Christ, knowing that there are a number of unconverted people who are listening to this message and having the experience of maybe, one, believing it, And the rest, not. In other words, the gospel came to several of those unbelievers in word only, but to one person, and sometimes more than one, one person it came in power. It came in more than words. It wasn't just so many words to them. It was, as Paul says it in Romans chapter 1, the power of God unto salvation. I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone who believes. And when people believe the gospel, that is the evidence of the power of God working in their lives. What distinguishes one person who hears it from another is that in some people it comes to them in word only. It's just a, it's just a message. It's something to hear. It's something to listen to. It's something to consider. It's something to inform, but not something to respond to because it doesn't come to them in power. Where's that power come from? It doesn't come from within man. It comes from God. It comes from the Holy Spirit. Well, why does the Holy Spirit work in power in the lives of some and not of others? This is the explanation. Knowing, therefore, beloved, your election of God. That's the explanation of why the same message produces different results in different people. In some It comes to them with power, divine power, saving power, life-changing power, new birth power, regenerating power, and to others, it's just so many words. So, Paul is talking now about how he knows that the ones he's writing to are the elect of God, and he says, for our gospel did not come to you in word only, but also in power and in the Holy Spirit, and in much assurance." These are all evidences of the work of God within them. In your case, the ones I'm writing to now, it came not, not in words only, but also in power. It came in words to everybody who heard it. But to some, it came also in power. Words, yes, but power that accompanied those words, and in the Holy Spirit who's producing that power and working in their lives. And in much assurance, they they had a God-given, powerful, Holy Spirit assurance that what they were hearing in these words of the Gospel is true and that they must receive it. Much assurance, as you know what kind of men we were among you for your sake. So it gave them assurance that Paul was trustworthy, that he could be believed. I mean, here he is, a stranger, coming into town in Thessalonica, preaching three Sabbaths in their synagogue. And here they are, people who are worshiping in the synagogue with people they have known for years, maybe some of them for decades, leaders in the synagogue that have been teaching them God's Word for many, many years, men that they have confidence in because they know them. Paul comes into town, a a complete stranger, and he preaches just for three weeks, and some of them are saved by the message that he preaches, because that gospel did not come to them in word only, but also in power, and in the Holy Spirit, and in much assurance, as they were assured by the work of the Holy Spirit that this message is true. As you know what kind of men we were among you for your sake. They had this Holy Spirit-given assurance that Paul, who they really didn't know very well, was telling the truth. That Paul could be trusted. That Paul was a man of God. That Paul was bringing them a message from God. What would cause them to trust Paul's message more than the response of religious leaders in the synagogue that they'd known for years You'd think they would have trusted them more. They've known them so much longer. Ah, but not when God the Holy Spirit does this work in their hearts. This powerful work of the Holy Spirit that brought them to believe the message of the gospel through the lips of Paul is the evidence of their election by God. Until next week, Greg Barkman saying good day. May God give you his eternal peace.